Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is October 22nd. I'm Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll, and we are the guys at ReviewingTheBrew.com. Uh, we're getting to you a little late uh, this week. We know that. Sorry about that. Uh, had some had some scheduling issues, but it's all worked out, and we're we're getting a chance to kind of you know quick get a get an episode up this week. Yeah, by if by schedule issues you mean one of my cars is a piece of crap, then yes, it caused yes. scheduling issues. <laughs> yes, it, it caused scheduling. Uh, yeah. Our issues are never fun especially when they pop up out of nowhere and uh, you don't have the money to fix it right away and have to figure something out yourself. Yeah. And it's right before we're set to record. Of course. Yeah. It just causes so many scheduling conflicts and other, other life conflicts, but we're here and Matt has his uh, rum and Coke or just Coke. Yes, sir. That is rum and Coke. (laughs) Just Coke. Come on. Come on. Come on. It's past noon this time. We're good. It's Friday. Yeah. Got to put a little rum in the Coke. All right. You know who else is putting a little rum in the Coke now? Andy Haynes. <laughs> um, because he has joined the unemployment line. Uh, many fans have been pushing for this, and we know a lot of our listeners have been pushing for it. We haven't been as big on the fire Andy Haynes hype train, um, but I think, you know, especially with talking with uh, Adam McAlvey last week and especially with the comments from David Stearns uh, at, at his press conference that – we're going to take some time to evaluate uh, over the next couple of days about whether or not all of our coaches would return. When a GM says that, Matt, you know somebody's getting fired. Yeah, no, if they don't flat out state, look, we are returning the entire coaching staff. Um, we are looking forward to next season. Yep, something something's going to happen, even if it's just, you know, the bullpen coach is the only guy who let gets let go. Something's yeah. coming. And yeah, this happened coach or whoever, but yeah. Right. And this happened to be the move that most fans were expecting, hoping for, depending on what type of fan you are. Um yeah, that's it's the one. People for the most part saw this as a possibility and now it happens with plenty of time to uh make a search. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, obviously, Andy Haynes' seat was the hottest one uh, of anyone on the coaching staff. I mean, Craig Council's pretty much going to be safe for most of eternity, um, you know, and, and really no one else on the coaching staff really like had their groups not do particularly well, except for the offense. So that's Andy Haynes and that's Jacob Cruz. And Jacob Cruz hasn't technically been fired um, but he has been told he is not going to be a candidate for the head hitting coach job. Um, and he is being allowed to search for other opportunities. Um, and then when the Brewers do hire a full-time, you know, or their, their head hitting coach, uh, that person can then decide if they want to keep Jacob Cruz or hire someone else. Um, so they're giving Cruz just kind of the opportunity to, to look around, but, but they're making changes. Uh, with the hitting coaches, and I mean, it's not really a surprise, um, and yeah, especially given the the comments there, and I mean, the offense for the last two years uh, has been really subpar, um, and a lot of people have kind of been, you know, pointing that out, and in 2020, it, it's hard to tell. I mean, 
2019, they had a good year. They had a really good team, really strong offense, MVP level year from Christian Yelich until he got hurt. Um, you know, they they had a really, really strong group. I mean, Yasmani Grandal put up great numbers. Mike Moustakis put up good numbers. Uh, really strong offense. But then in 2020, you had the downturn. You know, the offense really struggled. How much of that was Haynes? How much of that was just the odd circumstances of a shortened season? And, I mean, when you look at that, it, it's hard to completely fault Haynes, and it's hard to fire him after a 60-game season uh, in which some guys had slumps. You know, typically over a full year, those work themselves out. Um, so it's tough to fire a guy over that. But then you come into 2021, and a lot of the same things happen. Christian Yelich didn't play well. Keston Hira didn't play well. Um, a lot of key pieces just were not performing up to snuff. Runners in scoring position was terrible. Scoring early in games, again, was terrible. The approach just looked off at times. And now it's a full 162-game season with fans, you know, pretty much all the circumstances restored. And he still wasn't able to turn it around. And that is, at that point, the Brewers are left with little other option. Yeah, it, I'm not going to pretend like... I'm an expert on just how much of hitters' performances uh, is responsible from the hitting coach. Um, I don't think Come on, a lot Matt, of us I thought should, we all knew even that. Though, right? Well, <laughs> according to Twitter, a lot of people apparently think they do. Um, yeah. I'm not going to pretend that's the case. But the facts of the matter are the Brewers were um, 26th in batting average last season. They were 27th in batting average this season. Obviously, batting average isn't the end-all, be-all. But that's not good. Um, they also scored a whopping eight runs of offense over six playoff games over the last two seasons. 1.33 runs per game, three shutouts in six games by that's that not offense. Cut it. No, that is also not good. You you have to accidentally score more runs than that, and the Brewers didn't. And so, you know. Whether I don't know when it comes to like you pointed out, uh, like Yelich and Hira having these bad years, um, Yelich for two now and then uh, Hira last year wasn't great. This year was horrible. Um, plenty of other factors that go into that. Um, other hitters who had poor uh, offensive seasons last year had good seasons this year, like Narvaez, like Garcia with his bounce back, like Urias with his bounce back. So how much of that? was Haynes responsible for. So it's it's hard to say exactly what blame gets placed onto him. But when you have that poor of an offensive output for two years in a row, it is hard for someone not to take the fall for it. And Andy Haynes being the hitting coach, he's the guy who gets to take the fall for it. And I don't that's why I don't think it really should be that much of a surprise for anyone. No, and and even uh, David Stern said, you know, after the dismissal of Haynes that, you know, hey, like this is a very difficult position to fill. It, it's mm -hmm. a very difficult position to do um, because hitters, like you can't go out there and swing for the guys. You can give them all the information you can. You can talk to them all you want. But if they go up there and they just aren't able to do it, they just swing through or, or the pitcher makes a good pitch, then it's very tough. And, you know, you get blamed for a lot of the struggles when the team succeeds. You don't really get any of the credit. Um, hmm. So it, it's a very difficult position. And as you mentioned, you know, some guys did thrive with him. Uh, Willie Adamas made some adjustments mm -hmm. with Andy Haynes, and he turned into a really, really good player. So I, I think Haynes overall is a middle-of-the-road pitching or middle-of-the-road hitting coach. You know, he's not great. 
he's not as terrible as everyone makes him out to be. Um, he can help some guys. He doesn't help other guys. But the problem with Haynes sticking around in Milwaukee was the two guys that he wasn't able to help were their two most important hitters, their two most yeah. valuable hitters, Keston Hira and Christian Yelich. Those guys struggling for two years in a row and Haynes not being able to figure out a way to solve it, um, that is that is going to cost you your job. I mean, the, Andy Haynes and, and his relationship with Christian Yelich was one of the big reasons he got hired in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's someone that knew Yelich from a very young age, you know, when he, when he was just starting out in the minor league system in uh, the Marlins organization. Uh, he knew him from there, had a great relationship with him from there. So everyone's like, oh, this is going to be great. He's going to continue to help Yelich be awesome. Um, and it worked in 2019. But for the past two years, whatever he's done, it has not worked with Yelich. He, Yelich is a shell of his former self. Um, and even having that strong of a relationship was not able to fix it. Um, so perhaps it, you know, perhaps fixing Yelich is going to come with uh, getting someone who maybe doesn't know him like the, like Andy Haynes did um, and can take a different perspective um, because he hasn't seen Yelich through all those years and is just looking at what's going on now. So maybe that's it. Um, I, I, I really think the struggles of, of Hira and Yelich is a big reason for his dismissal. I mean, the postseason issues are also uh, a major compounding factor. Um, but when that happens with, with those guys struggling with the postseason struggles, someone someone's got to take the fall. You're right, and, and it ends up it ended up being Haynes. Yeah, and that those two in particular for a guy like Yelich, who was a pure hitter. I mean, even before he blossomed as an MVP candidate, like pure hitter. And then Keston Hira had what a 60 grade hit tool. Yeah, coming into the like, draft, like he's I supposed think. to be like a 300 type hitter. Like he's right. such a pure natural hitter. Um, and I, I think I saw somewhere I'm not sure how accurate it was, but he was trying to make some changes to Hero's swing to get to mm-hmm. tap into more power. Um, and by doing that, I mean, Hero has been completely lost uh, this whole season. Um, so I'm not sure what exactly he did with Hira. Um, if he did try to change his swing, you know, I mean, that's someone that the Brewers saw was just such a pure natural hitter with everything he had working for him. There was nothing he needed to change. Um, it's just let him go out there, do his thing, give him the information that he needs. Um, and if he did try to make swing changes to Hira and that messed him up, that's also going to cost you your job. Yeah. Yeah. Those two seemed like relatively unbreakable hitters and yeah. yet both of them seem broken right now. And so yeah. that's, that is clearly not going to play in your favor. So, um, yeah, so the brewers move on and, uh, it is time to start fishing for candidates. It is. It is time to start fishing for candidates. And over at reviewingthebrew.com, we have you covered. Uh, We've got a couple of articles up right now um, on internal and external options for the brewers to consider. Matt, do you want to start with the internal candidates or the external? I'm I'm thinking we should start internal. Let's go internal. Let's start with with the names that we know inside the brewers organization uh, that, that can be hitting coaches. So, um, I had the article on internal hitting coaches and uh, contributor Jacob Lenzendorf uh, had the article on external hitting coaches, which he did a phenomenal job on um, much better than me. Just just saying. Not really. <laughs> uh, but anyways, looking at the internal hitting coach candidates. OK, I had four listed uh, similar to what Jacob had. Jacob had four as well. 
Um, so my first candidate that I listed is Al LaBeouf, the uh, Nashville Sounds hitting coach. So the Brewers AAA hitting coach, you know, there's an opening in the big leagues, call up a guy from AAA. So Al LaBeouf is, is someone who's been a coach for a very long time. He first became a full-time coach in baseball in 1989. He's 61 years old. He's he's seen as much around the game of baseball as anyone. Um, and he's been in the organization for the last 12 years. And perhaps, you know, being an organizational guy, being a baseball guy, baseball lifer the way Al LaBeouf is, perhaps they could reward him uh, with their promotion to the big league level. Matt, what do you think? Um, I, I love that that was uh, the first name on that list. Um, and the fact that you mentioned that um, the continual changes in personnel did not stop that offense from firing for a good portion of the season. They had guys who were up and down between AAA and the big leagues. They had guys who were stepping out for uh, the Olympics. They had guys, you know, join the team and leave the team and just just all over the place. And yet um, that offense was humming along. Um, for a good portion of the season, they had rattled off. Uh, they tied a franchise record with 15 wins, I believe, yeah. at one point. Um, and th- when when they were on that streak, it was offense, offense, offense. Um, and guys who, you know, the Brewers had picked up as kind of, you know, fringe minor leaguers, like, you know, guys that you mentioned, like a Jamie Westbrook, a Dustin Peterson, um, and Matt Zach Lipka. Green. Matt Lipka, Zach Green was rolling for a while until he turned into strikeout central in the second <laughs> half of the season. Um, but, you know, they put up a lot of offense down there. And and let's not forget, actually, we did mention Keston Hira. Um, when he went down to AAA, he did hit outside of his, I believe, third stint down there. Yep. Um, in which case he did actually turn it on towards the very, very like final week of the season. Um, so he did snap out of that eventually. Um, but even hero was hitting down there. So, um, I like that. It's a guy who's been around. He's highly regarded. Um, absolutely a name worth considering. Yeah. I mean, he, he's kind of a, a different era of coach. I mean, he's more your, your older school, um, guy who's been around for a while, a uh, little different than what the Brewers have kind of done, um, recently, but I, I'm not sure how well versed he is in uh, analytics and, and providing that type of information to players. Um, but he re- he was able to get good seasons uh, out of guys like Jamie Westbrook, out of guys like Cooper Hummel, Weston Wilson, mm. Dustin Peterson, Matt Lipka. These guys were not prospects. You know, they're not top prospects really by any means. Um, and he was able to essentially put them on the big league radar um, with, with their performances this year. So. I think he's a candidate. You know, he might be someone worth interviewing, but I'm not sure if he's going to be the guy uh, going forward. You know, if they promote from within, I'm not sure Al LaBeouf is going to be their their top hitting coach. Um, so let's move down to candidate number two, um, another team hitting coach, but this time all the way down in low A with the Carolina Mudcats, Eric Thiessen. All right, so Thiessen, he's 36 years old. All right, he's... In his first season in the Brewers organization, uh, his first season in pro ball, he was previously the head coach at a Division II school in Michigan at Hillsdale College. Uh, But he is seen by many as a rising star uh, within the industry. And Carolina had a banner offensive Mm -hmm. season this year. When we had a broadcaster, Greg Young Jr., on the pod a couple of weeks ago, uh, he talked about that offense and, and how great they were. I mean, they've had... 
not only just kind of like top prospects, but guys really blossom into top prospects with their performances this year. Joe Gray Jr., Joey Weimer, Freddie Zamora, Felix Valerio, uh, Xavier Warren, uh, Sal Freelich, uh, Gabe Holt, Alex Benella. So many uh, big name, uh, you know, big performances from these names. Um, and Eric Thiessen was the hitting coach down there. So, you know, I, I think this might be a little bit aggressive uh, to move him from his first season in pro ball this year down in low A to all of a sudden the big league hitting coach. But he's seen as a star. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could walk in to a job at 36 and be like, you know what? Uh, you need to be promoted to corporate next year or something <laughs> like that, like to be on that fast to track. That is uh, that would be uh, you're kind of on a fast impressive. track over there. Well, fast ish. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's hard to argue with the results that the Mudcats had, especially if you look specifically at one guy in Joe Gray Jr. Um, I mean, he's a guy who, you know, was drafted rel- pretty high uh, by the Brewers. Second but, round, yeah. Um, yeah, as of uh, 2019, it looked maybe like a bust. Like, it was a little mm-hmm. early to start labeling that, but he did not look good in 2019. Yeah. And then he came in and, you know, credit probably some of the work that he did um, during the down season and stuff he put in to get himself in that position. But um, I'm sure it can't be any coincidence that working with uh, Thiessen really helped kind of elevate his status. And so um, that's just one player. But, you know, like you said, all the other uh, players that um, just had monster seasons for Carolina and ones that, you know, weren't necessarily the ones you fully expected, um, I think absolutely gets his name thrown out there. Yeah, I mean, he's someone that, um, you know, a lot of players just succeeded with him down there. Um, and just kind of seeing that, I think he's certainly wor- worthy of a promotion. I don't know if he's going to go from low A all the way up to MLB, uh, but maybe a promotion, you know, further up up the up the organizational ladder, you know, maybe to, to high A or double A. I mean, double A. They needed some offense this year. You know, maybe maybe yep. we can send them to Garrett Green over in Biloxi and uh, see see what the they can do down there. Um, but you. I mean, really, I think also, and this kind of also bleeds into uh, candidate number three here. Um, I want to know who suggested to Joey Weimer the toe tap instead of the leg kick. I mean, when, when Joey mm-hmm. Weimer came in, there was a lot of things that needed to be reworked with a swing, and we know they they ditched the leg kick to go to a toe tap. And there were likely some other uh, changes um, that, that went on there. But that was the that's the most noticeable change. I want to know who came up with that. Was that Thiessen or was that candidate number three here, Sarah Goodrum, the Brewers minor league hitting coordinator? Because also, I mean, just kind of throughout the minor leagues, um, th- this was her first season in that role. And... Previously, we have not seen strong offensive seasons from Brewers hitting prospects. And this year we saw a lot of them. Um, so I, I think Sarah Goodrum certainly plays a role in that. And the fact that she's already the Brewers roving minor league hitting coordinator, I think that absolutely makes her a candidate uh, to to move up to that big league job. And, you know, we, we've seen it, you know, with Corey Howell, with David Hamilton, uh, Bryce Terang had a strong season. Carlos Rodriguez had a strong season. All those other players we named down in Carolina. Um, but I'm not sure if it was Goodrum or if it was Thiessen or, or who kind of made those changes with, uh, Joey Weimer, but whoever it is, I want, I would kind of want it to be them if they go internal. 
Yeah, that leg kick might actually be underselling the amount of action that he had <laughs> when he used to swing. He was joining the Rockettes with that leg kick. My God, that was that was a monster kick. Um, but yeah, it, it's we're certainly not, um, especially in years past, haven't been used to having this much offensive success in the minor leagues. Um, there were some, like you mentioned, um, the levels at Double A didn't quite have that. But I think Garrett Green um, spoke pretty well when we had him on the podcast. Um, to maybe why they had some of the struggles because you had, you know, other teams that had players who, you know, were in double A, you know, the previous uh, couple of years before. And so they hadn't really moved. And so they were maybe a little ahead of the game and um, the Shuckers had basically an entirely new team. So there could be other reasons why they struggled a little bit. Um, I, I think obviously what's playing against her is she's only been in that position for one year. So, yeah. you know, Same to maybe Jason. gain, Right. So maybe to gain a little bit more experience as, you know, a organization's minor league hitting coordinator um, and see how much, you know, yes, they took a a big jump last year. Let's see what they take uh, from 2021 to 2022. Um, and then if that continues um, to ascend offensively for the organization, then her name is going to be on some short lists. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, it's also... It's also potentially pretty early for Sarah Goodrum as well. I mean, yeah, as you mentioned, this is her first season. She's like 27, 28. So, I mean, she'd also be younger than most of the players at the big league <laughs> level. Um, and just and, and kind of, you know, getting that, uh, you know, trust and respect in that big league, um, in, in the big league clubhouse, uh, when you're that much younger than everyone else is a little bit different um, than when, uh, it, I mean, in the minor leagues, you got a lot of 20 and 21 year olds. Um, so that's a little bit different. I think, um, I don't know. I, I think, she, I think she is a rising star within the industry and I, I think they really like her and I think she's done a lot of good in that first season. Um, but it, it, it also, as you mentioned, is potentially, uh, quite early, uh, to move her all the way up to, uh, the big league hitting coach job. Yeah, but that could be something, you know, a few years down the road, you have enough um, players who've made their way up to the big league level and say, yeah, man, like the philosophy that Goodrum uh, had within the minor leagues really helped me and now, you know, kind yeah. of emerge as a hitter. Um, and then she's got all of that experience to speak to. So maybe it is a few years down the road. And, and, and that's what we saw with Chris Hook, too, mm-hmm. you know, because 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 then those guys that would be up would be her guys that, right. that she worked with. Chris Hook, um, he worked with Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta and all these guys in the minors as a minor league pitching coordinator. Then they move up to the big leagues, and then the pitching coach job becomes available when Derek Johnson leaves. And now you bring Hook up, and it's like, these are the guys that I worked with, that I developed, that I know extremely well. Um, So that's something that um, really worked for Hook and perhaps could work, work for Goodrum, a couple years down the road when we see Joey Weimer and Joe Gray Jr. and Freddie Zamora and Xavier Warren and Hedbert Perez and um, Alex Benelis and all these guys at the big league level, guys that she's worked with throughout their minor league career. Um, so perhaps not the next hitting coach, but the next next hitting coach mm-hmm. of the Brewers future. Who knows? All right. Um, all right. And then candidate number four here of, of the internal options. I've got Ned Yost, the fourth, the son of Ned Yost, the third, the former Brewers manager. Um, he was 
signed as an undrafted free agent back in 2005 by the Brewers out of the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. Um, played for a couple years, and he's been a coach um, in the organization since 2008. Um, he's 38 years old. He's worked his way all throughout the minor leagues. He was in rookie ball. He was in A ball. He's been in AAA. Um, he wasn't the hitting coach specifically in AAA because that was Al LaBeouf. Um, but he's been a coach. He's been a hitting coach um, throughout the system. And I think if you're going to promote from within, he's got as much experience coaching as anyone um, in this system. He's been around for a while. Uh, he's He's got the name. He's got the, the family legacy. Um, and it, it seems like he's got the chops as well to be a, a big league coach. Yeah, I just I love the name just for, you know, nostalgia's sake. I, I, I wouldn't <laughs> mind seeing a, a Yost on the back of a uniform of a Brewers uniform yet again. Again, um, yeah. Right. Um, you know, not not much older uh, than Thiessen, um, but with a little bit more kind of experience down there, although, like you said, not necessarily as a hitting coach. Um He's one I'm I'm not as familiar with, but um, I know he's another one, though, that is uh, highly regarded in the system. You know, they've kept him around, moved him up to AAA, obviously, for a reason. Um, So, yeah, I wouldn't like I said, for more than anything, just to just to see Yost and Council in the (laughs) uh, in the dugout. I mean, full circle. Just it just seems it just feels right a little bit. Yeah. It does. All right, let's move on to some external candidates uh, for the hitting coach job. And I, I honestly think the Brewers should go external. Um, if, if they're not going to go with Ned Yosefourth, you know, I, I think it's going to be early for Thiessen and Goodrum. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not entirely convinced that they're going to go Al LaBeouf either. Um, so let, let's look at some external candidates. Uh, Jacob had uh, four candidates in his article. Um, and candidate number one is Joe Dillon. The former Brewers utility guy back in 07 and 08, um, he was most recently the Phillies hitting coach, um, and he was just uh, recently um, fired uh, as they uh, got, went in a different direction. They brought in Kevin Long, I believe, to be their hitting coach now. Um, but Joe Dillon as a potential uh, Brewers hitting coach, what do you think about that? I was not aware that Joe Dillon was a major league hitting coach. I Neither was, was I. That, uh, right <laughs> up front. Um, but, um, speaking of nostalgia, um, you know, there's another, uh, I guess, backup utility type guy who could also join council in the coaching ranks in Milwaukee. Um, I, I, I think it is interesting, um, especially that he got a lot of credit for Bryce Harper's turnaround, because I think for the most part, since Bryce Harper had gone to Philly, you know, they hadn't quite gotten what they expected out of him to up until this year. Um, with his contract and yet in 2021 he was a legitimate MVP candidate. Um yeah. so you know how much of that does end up falling in Joe Dillon. Um so um it, Joe Girardi again spoke highly of him so I think that obviously helps. Joe Girardi's been around the block as a manager um for quite a while now. Um so that was just a, that was a surprising name to hear. Um but I I like the thought for um candidate number one yeah and i i mean especially too i mean if, if he was able to turn around a superstar like bryce harper after a down season or two well i've got another superstar who has a down season or two that may need a turnaround 
Um, So if if Dylan could do that again, that'd be great. And obviously, as a former Brewers uh, utility guy in 2007 and 2008, uh, Craig Council is probably quite familiar uh, with uh, (laughs) Joe Dylan. So that that Mm -hmm. could certainly help him out uh, as well. Um, So I think that'd be interesting. Uh, Another candidate here, candidate number two, Marcus Thames, uh, the most recent hitting coach for the New York Yankees, um, who had kind of a frustrating offense this year, and it ended up costing him uh, his job. I mean, they were kind of streaky, a lot of big names, um, a lot of guys not able to maybe perform up to par, um, certainly with expectations. But, I mean, expectations are incredibly high in New York. Uh, What do you think of Marcus Thames as a candidate? I... I, I never know what to think of anyone who comes out of a team like the Yankees as a candidate because they just they just spend money to pile people together and then just like think that like obviously this is going to work because we spent so much money on our players and you know they don't necessarily have any chemistry they you know do they actually fit the philosophy of the team uh, like with Milwaukee when Stearns builds a team it's very much, you know, he very much takes into consideration the types of players that he wants to mold in the vision of this team. Whereas like in New York, they just say, Hey, you, here's a lot of money. Come play here. So I I don't know. Like, I never know like what, when it comes to their guys, like how much is their fault and how much isn't Um, because you might have these like expensive veterans who are set in their ways. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm not sure about that one. I wouldn't be surprised if like, you know, he still has some talent in him and could, you know, if he had a team to like truly, truly work with, if he could have some success. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think he's I don't know if he'd be the best fit for the Brewers um, organization, but um, he's someone with major league hitting coach experience. And I think that's certainly going to uh, at least get the Brewers to to consider him. All right, moving on to candidate number three uh, for external hitting coach candidates, Peter Fatsy. Uh, he is currently the assistant hitting coach for the Boston Red Sox. And, you know, he's a former Brewers draft pick, actually. So th- this is a nice find by Jacob. Uh, former Brewers draft pick in 2009. That vaunted Brewers 2009 draft class that totally wasn't <laughs> filled with busts at all. Uh, nope. Let's see. He never made it above class A ball. Hmm, just like the first round pick. Uh, uh, yeah. We were one pick away from landing Mike Trout. Just yeah. Yeah. Remember that. Yeah. We've been over this. <laughs> yeah. And and we've drank heavily. We're not salty. Yeah, we should. Yeah. Do. All right. But he's currently the Red Sox assistant hitting coach and uh, their offense. Uh, well, they hit three grand slams so far uh, in their series against the Houston Astros. Um, so I, I think we'd like to see more of that. I mean, their, their offense, they weren't supposed to be this good this year. It was supposed to be kind of another down year for Boston. Um, but they were able to really kind of get it going. And and now they're in this position here, you know, getting close to uh, a world series, getting into the ALCS. And, you know, part of that is, is Peter Fatsy and, um, you know, the players seem to love him, and, you know, with with what he's done with them, uh, I think he's certainly a strong candidate. Yeah, those are exactly the types of guys who potentially get picked to fill some of these roles, right? Um, Offenses that kind of come out of nowhere um, that, you know, experts weren't expecting to do particularly well. um, And then they do end up blossoming during the season. And so then other teams end up looking at them like, okay, who potentially could have been responsible 
for this surprising success. And then, you know, maybe you can't lure away the actual hitting coach, but hey, what about that assistant hitting coach? So um, I'm sure he had a lot to do with their success. And so um, if he was able to bring some of that over for, you know, some of these Brewers players that, you know, maybe had down years that maybe um, others aren't expecting to do particularly well in um, 2022, um, but maybe could coax something out that was unexpected. Um, it, that's where you kind of find some of these little diamonds in the rough, it seems. Yeah, I think it's certainly a strong place to look. And when I was talking with uh, Jake about these articles, I'm just like, look at offenses that were really good this year or surprisingly good and find their assistant hitting coach. Because mm-hmm. pretty much every every team has two hitting coaches now. you got your main hitting coach, then an assistant hitting coach. Um, so look for those guys. Um, and that's what he did, and that's where he found Fatsy, and that's where he found candidate number four, Dustin Lind, uh, who is currently with the Giants, who were the most surprising team in all of baseball this year, mm-hmm. somehow getting 107 wins. And despite being in a massive pitcher's park, hit the most home runs they ever have. Um, they had successful seasons from guys like Darren Ruff and Wilmer Flores, and they're being led by an like this offense was being led by guys who should not be leading offenses. Mm-mm. Um, and they were just phenomenal all season long. And Dustin Lind, uh, candidate number four here, is the Giants' director of hitting and their assistant hitting coach. So he they they have like three or four hitting coaches over there in, in San Francisco. Gabe Kapler has a really interesting staff. Um, you know, as, as he kind of said in the article here, a collaborative coaching approach, very analytically driven, uh, a lot of different people on, on the staffs and Lind is, is kind of the main assistant there. Um, and I mean, they're, they're giving guys information, um, very analytically sound, uh, and they've got the results to back up what they're doing. Um, so the, these hitting coaches ha, have really done a great job in San Francisco. Um, and there's a there's a couple of them. There, there's Dustin Lynn, there's Justin Veal, uh, and Donnie Ecker. And really, I think any of them would make for fantastic uh, candidates for the Brewers. Um, but Lind, uh, I think, should be the main guy that they could go after. Yeah, I do have to call myself out first here. Um, I do remember on one of the podcasts about a month into the season that I did say that I did not think the Giants would keep up their pace, that they were not going to stick around in first place. And I was very wrong on that one. You were not the only one. No. uh, Trust me, you were not. I I feel all right about that, but um, wrong nonetheless. Um, But yeah, similar to, uh, like you said, uh, Fatsy with the uh, Red Sox, offense that wasn't expected to do much that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and he was a big driving part of that. Um, but kind of like a couple of our internal options that we talked about, Lind is awfully darn young uh, for a guy to be taking a, um, a full-time hitting coach position at 31 years old, just a baby. Um, so that might be one of the big things working against him. But um, outside of that, um, it's hard not to like, it. like you said, like any of those um, assistant hitting coaches for the Giants. Yeah, but I mean, at least also for Lind, he has experience in the big league dugout. You yeah. know, he, he's been with the big league staff. You know, when talking about uh, Eric Thiessen or, or Sarah Goodrum, they've they've only been in the minors, um, yeah. really. So for Lind, being in that big league dugout, being with the, the big league offense, uh, 
uh, all season. Um, that uh, I think is certainly going to help him out. And I mean, really when the Brewers hired David Stearns, he was not, I mean, I, I think he was also like 30 or 31. Um, mm. so although the general manager and uh, being a coach in the dugout are two different things, um, either way, um, he's got that experience, which, uh, I think really, really helps him out. And I think makes him a very strong candidate, you know? So I, I think the Brewers should look at Lind. Uh, they should look at, you know, the other Giants coaches, look at Peter Fatsy. Um, I think there's a there's a lot of really good candidates out there. And, and David Stern said that they're going to take their time and they're going to make sure they find the right one. Yeah. And I, honestly, if it, I suppose if you take a look at like managers themselves, there has actually been a push in recent years um, for teams to go with guys who are like just ending their playing careers where it used to be guys. It used to have to be that MLB managers were, you know, guys who had been around the game for decades um, and were kind of older. Um, but I mean, starting you you had Craig Council, you had Boone, you had Kevin Cash, you had uh, Baldelli for the Twins. Like you've you've had a lot of these guys. Brad Osmus. You know, yeah, Osmus, Gabe Kapler. Um, yeah. You know, we could go on and on and on and on about um, these Alex Cora. Um, players that, you know, are not that far removed from playing. So I guess in that sense, you know, to see maybe a youth movement coming at some point for, you know, the hitting coaches and pitching coaches, maybe that's, you know, something that's going to start at some point too. Yeah. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, having the experience and, and having the strategy um, and being able to implement it. So that, that's going to be the important thing. Um, so we've got eight candidates uh, over at Reviewing the Brew. You be sure to check out those articles um, on each of those internal and external candidates for the hitting coach job. Um, we'll see who the Brewers end up going with. They may end up going with none of them. They may end up picking one of them. We'll see. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll certainly find out as that process goes along and as the offseason goes along. Offseason just getting started um, for the Brewers, and we still have to wait for the uh, final baseball game of the year to be played before the offseason can really kick off. Uh, but we'll be sure to have you covered for everything that you need regarding this offseason over at Reviewing the Brew and here on the Cold Brew podcast. So, Matt, any final words here for, for this week's episode? Um, I am actually going to plug you. Um, you put out a uh, piece today, the complete offseason preview um, for anyone who took a look at that last year, that is a great guide um, to have for, you know, upcoming dates, um, some, you know, big, uh, you know, the non-tender deadline and um, the arbitration deadline. Everything you need to know about the offseason is right there in that guide. I will admit that last year I referenced it several times as I was <laughs> uh, writing articles for the site. So um, get everything you need to know what's coming up um, for the offseason right there in the article that was posted today. Yeah, it's one of my favorite articles uh, to write each year. I've done it, I, I think, just about every single year uh, that I've been reviewing the Bruce. So I've done like four of them, I think. Um, you know, it's, it's always really kind of fun to do always fun to just kind of like get everything in one place. It also has a payroll outlook in there, um, and positions of need uh, that the brewers could address. So, you know, kind of looking ahead to, uh, you know, where the brewers could be going. A lot of really good stuff, uh, inside that article. It's long. It's going to take some time to read through. I understand that, but all the information is well worth it. Trust me. Um, so uh, yeah, definitely check out that article on reviewing the brew, um, and just let's get ready for the off season. Where it's it's here, 
And let's let's just dive into it. You know, man, I, I'm ready. So uh, we'll see how it goes and we'll see what David Stearns does. And, and he's sticking around because uh, the Mets were told to get out of here by Mark Atanasio, <laughs> which is great. We didn't talk about that much this episode, but it's fine because um, we all knew he wasn't going anywhere. So yeah. um, it, it was just kind of a just kind of a matter of time. So David Stearns is here. He'll be leading the Brewers. David Gasper is here. I'll be leading this podcast uh, and <laughs> reviewing the brew. Yep. Um, so that'll do it for us uh, this week. Again, apologies for the episode coming out a little bit late this week, um, but we'll be back with another really good episode. And uh, I'm really kind of excited for what we're going to have coming up on this podcast this offseason. So be sure to stay tuned. We'll have it all covered here. We'll have it all covered at reviewingthebrew.com. Uh, thank you for listening. And we'll see you again next week for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.